Welcome to the Optimist Futures Podcast, a place to learn from an industry insider with over 20 years of experience in commodity futures and options. Gain insight to the newest technology, platforms, risk management, trading philosophy, and advice about the current state of the futures and options markets. For futures trading platforms, deep discounts trading commissions, overnight margins, and instructional videos, feel free to visit our website at optimistfutures.com. Please remember that this matter should be viewed as a solicitation to trade. Trading futures and options involves substantial risk of loss and is not suitable for all investors. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should therefore carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for you in light of your financial condition. Optimist Futures LLC is not affiliated with, nor does it endorse any trading system, methodologies, newsletter, or similar service. We urge you to conduct your own due diligence. Now, here's your host, founder and CEO of Optimus Futures, Matt Zimberg. Hi traders, it's uh, Matt Z from Optimus Futures in the Optimus Futures studio. I have a legend here in the industry today, at least I consider him a legend. I've read his book, uh, The Daily Trading Coach. It's one of the best books that I've read about uh, trading and the psychology of trading and I think um, even outside of trading, if you read this book, you understand, you know, how much our mind can work for us sometimes and other times it can work against us. And um, the longer I'm in this business, the more I realize what a tough mental game trading is. And so instead of using my intuition as, as a broker to give people advice, um, I prefer to bring experts here like Dr. Brad Steinbarger who has a PhD and from what I from what I remember it's in clinical psychology right right okay and so he's going to give you the practical approach and pragmatic approach to uh, the mental game of trading and uh, before that let's start tell us a little bit about your background and how did you end up helping so many traders worldwide Okay, well, thanks for having me, Matt. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak with uh, everyone from Optimus. So I uh, have been a psychologist uh, my entire career. Was I was teaching full-time in a medical school for a number of years, but I also traded on the side. That's an interest I've had since the late 1970s. And so finally in 2003, I decided to write a book about the psychology of trading. And to my surprise, it became popular, and a trading firm in Chicago invited me to come work with their traders and help them with their performance. And so that led me to go part-time at the medical school and work full-time with traders, first in Chicago with a market maker at Electronic Futures, and then later with a couple of investment banks, and then later with some hedge funds. So right now, I work with a variety of trading firms. Uh, including prop firms, hedge funds, uh, commodity firms, quant firms, uh, to help them with their performance and to uh, help them make better decisions in financial markets. That's great. The good thing to hear is that you actually had skin in the game. So you didn't come only from the psychology side into trading, but you actually traded. So you experienced it yourself. You know the struggles that traders go through, and now you can help them and understand by combining both skills. Okay. Yes. 
So the first, so let me tell you about the questions I've gathered today. Those are, most of the questions that I gather are from a number of sources. One source is my interaction with my customers. The other source is from what I read, uh, people's comments online uh, from amateurs and professionals. And I just wanted to hear your perspective on it. So I'm going to read the first question because it's a little bit lengthy. Um, what plan and routine um, should traders follow to develop better intuition? What don't beginners understand about intuition and how do you, um, how do experienced traders rely on it and use it? Great question. Uh, there are different types of traders and different types of trading. The more a trader is involved in short time frames, the more intuition becomes important to their trading. The longer the time frame, the more analytical abilities are important to their decision making. Intuition is a function of pattern recognition. That's a key idea. So when we ask how could we have better access to intuition, what we're really asking is, how can I be a better pattern recognizer? And the answer is through repetition and proper instruction. By seeing example after example after example after example, we begin to get a sense for that pattern and soon we can recognize it as it's unfolding. Many traders want to start trading they want to make money before they gain those repetitions to be great pattern recognizers. And so that becomes a performance problem. That's a great answer. So now we can attach intuition to pattern recognition. As I think people always talk in terms of very vague terms about intuition. So I'm very grateful that you were able to give us a very specific definition, which is pattern recognition. And you're right, it comes with time. Um, it comes with time and it comes with screen time. Uh, the people I see doing the best have, re they not only watch the market and trade the market, they review the market, they get more screen time, they see more examples of patterns than the average person, and that helps them build that skill. That's, I'm, and I'm happy you mentioned that because the average, um, and, and, um, and again, I'm not talking from a point of criticism, just my observation. A lot of traders, what they do, they start, stop, start, stop, you know? Right. So that, that kind of a pause in the then between, I guess it cuts into their study of intuition, right? It yes. takes away from that skill. Okay. Um, I've noticed that a lot of traders, when we talk, they just come in the morning and they just turn on their screen, right? And they have a good day, bad day. And then at the end of the day, they also turn off the screen and they go back and you know, watch TV, you know, and <laughs> go on about their life. Right. So right. my question to you as a professional, what daily plans should traders, uh, what traders uh, should follow before they start a trading session and after the trading session? What should they do? Another good question. And you're absolutely right, Matt, that the preparation is important and the review is important. Before the trading session, you want to start to establish your ideas and your plans. For instance, 
with the shorter term traders I work with, part of their preparation is just seeing what is moving in markets and how it is moving. They want to be, if they're trading on the day time frame, they want to be trading instruments or stocks that have real movement to them. So they're using their preparation to figure out what to trade as well as how it might be setting up to trade. But they're using that preparation time the way a general in the military would use preparation time to fight a battle. Now, once they have traded, then the, uh, at the end of the day, the opportunity comes about for review. What is most important in the review are, what did you do well in today's trading? And how do you want to continue to do that? What mistakes did you make in today's trading? And how would you correct those mistakes going forward? And many times people will not only review that, but write it down in a journal. The idea here is that the review is your learning. You're using the review to improve your performance, to set goals, and to make improvements day in and day out. Thank you. That makes total sense. And uh, I'm happy you said that. So traders don't just come in in the morning, turn on the screen and start getting a price shock and uh, you know, this from the first thing they see. Um, the third question that I have, um, when traders make mistake, I mean mistakes in plural, um, how do they become conscious of their mistakes? I mean, how can, if a person let's say did not have a good trading day, how does he know how to attribute exactly the mistakes that he's done? How does he become, I guess, again, the word conscious of his trading mistakes. Yes, and that's part of the review process. The distinction I make with the traders I work with is if you lost money, if you did not trade well, was the problem your ideas? In other words, you thought that something was going to move higher and instead it moved lower. Or was the problem the implementation of your ideas? In other words, how you traded those ideas. That's a very different thing. You may have recognized that this instrument is going higher, but you ended up buying at a poor level. It went against you and you stopped out quickly. And after you stopped out, it went in your favor. So the problem was not your idea. The problem was how you implemented that idea. So like a physician, you want to diagnose what the problem is. Where did you fall short? And then from that diagnosis, you come up with a treatment. You come up with some ideas about how you can make improvements. What did you get wrong in the idea? Or how could you trade that idea better? Many times, the idea that the trader has is a sound idea, but they're not trading it well. They're looking for more movement than the market affords them. They're getting in at poor levels, and, and that hurts their profitability. I see. Um, it sounds like they have to have a very, very definite plan of understanding um, what their errors are and, and write them down and also understand what good things they have done and write it down. 
do you find, you know, I once read, and I don't know if it's true or not, that traders um, should write and do more reviews after good days as opposed to bad days so they could implement their good habits more and more. Is that true? Do you find that to be truthful? I think it is equally important. You know, many times uh, traders get complacent <laughs> after uh, good trading. But in fact, we have a lot to learn from our best trades. We can reverse engineer those trades and we can ask the question, what did I do well? What did I do right? right. Those become what I call our best practices. Those become the things we want to do that we incorporate into our processes. So I agree with you, reviewing after good days, profitable days is just as important as after the losing days. Great, um, thank you. Okay, so my next question, and I really wanted to ask you that specifically, Great. because I'm, I'm really curious about it, and I wanna know it from, a, you know, from, from, from your experience. What is beginner's luck in a psychological sense? And why do many win initially and later try to recover from losses and lousy psychology? So what I mean by that is that most traders who approach trading the first time around, the first week or the first day, it's always good. And then it somehow turns bad. So I wanna know what really happens psychologically as to why everybody experiences that, I mean, Again, I could be wrong, but this is just my observation and intuition from talking to people that their yeah. first week, their first month, their first day was great. And then later on, you know, they're trying to go back to what they did for years sometimes, right? So right, what, right. what is the process that's going on there uh, from your perspective? Yes. So in the beginning, a trader is quite possibly doing things in a more mindful way, a more careful way. And as a result, they are making better decisions. I recently wrote an online book called Radical Renewal. It's, a, it's written on a blog platform and it's free for anyone to access, uh, leadingrenewal.blogspot.com. And the main idea of this a blog book is that many of the problems we encounter as traders result from our getting our egos involved in our trading. It's not that we have great psychological problems, it's that we get ego involved in making money, in being afraid of losing money, in being afraid of missing opportunities, and so, as the trader initially experiences the beginner's luck, the success, their egos get hooked. They want more, they want to do more, they want to trade more. And that's what leads to their demise. I see, I see. Um, and it makes sense. Okay, the next question is, are people capable of killing emotions? Specifically speaking, I saw discussions of people that they say that they can trade truly without emotions. Yes. I don't think, do you think it's really possible to, to get to that level? Right, right. You hear this from people who talk about trading psychology, that people should uh, remove their emotions, eliminate their emotions, reduce their emotions. They should trade less emotionally. They should uh, you know, calm themselves, 
obviously we do need to be focused when we're trading but if what you are doing is related to pattern recognition and intuition you need to have a feel for markets intuition is partly an emotional thing it's based on feel uh -huh. so if you could eliminate all emotion you would eliminate all intuition and for a short-term trader that would not be desirable great now, point if you wanted to trade totally without emotion by all means program an algorithm and let the, let the computer do your trading for you uh, but if eliminating emotions was the key to success to trading then every algorithm every algorithmic trading would be successful and obviously it's not so emotion can help us emotion can hurt us when we are mindful of our emotions when we recognize our emotions we can use those as signals when we get caught up in our emotions and we identify that with them then we can end up becoming reactive that's great love the answer and uh it really teaches me a lot too so what people consider as negative they can actually turn into a positive trade with emotions by pattern recognition that's great absolutely, absolutely. they could get rid of all emotions by simply giving themselves a lobotomy then let's see how well they trade <laughs> <laughs> um you were talking a little about algos and you know, it's interesting that people think that if they put their uh, methodology into a, um, an automated signal, um, then essentially they will be emotions free. But you know what happens in reality? As soon as the system goes into a drawdown, they didn't show in the back testing, they stop it right away. They go right. back to the code. They want to rewrite it. They want to make it perfect. You sure. know, so sure. I, I've seen that many, many times. Um, not to mention that many uh, platforms out there uh, have don't have the ability to backtest things right but that's right. A totally different discussion okay I wanna uh, my next question is about uh, your experience with um, your actual customers um, so again I wrote it uh, what is the natural progression for traders that you work with how many times do they relapse do professionals make the same mistakes that amateurs do as well and why so if you were to take a, a, a trader from if your goal is to take it from a to z how many times in between they go back and forth back and forth you know until they until they get it what is the process there yes good question the problems and challenges that experienced traders face are different from the ones that beginner beginning traders face um, however with respect to any of these problems relapse is a normal and expectable part of the change process in other words we all are prone to falling back into old habits now the habits of the experienced traders will be different from the habits of the beginning traders but it, at whatever level the trader is at it's easy to fall back into old ways. And so that's why repetition is important. When you learn some new skills, it's important to repeat them, repeat them, repeat them, so that the new skills 
become new habit patterns. We become consistent, not because we're motivated. We become consistent, not because we're disciplined. We become consistent because we develop the right habits. And so the idea is to repeat good trading behaviors, turn them into habits, and then we don't relapse. Uh, you know what? Some of those answers should be framed. It's great. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. They, they really are. They, because they're realistic. You know, they're not, they're not coming from a theoretical world. I can tell that this is practical, that the traders can follow this. I wanted to tell you, I really truly love my customers and traders. Yes. You know, in today's world, the problem is, is that they're overwhelmed with information. Yes. And, and it, my criticism of, um, and, and it's not that anyone in particular, but when you go to trading forums, education, um, any type of information out there, you don't know who's writing it. You can have a right. person who's been trading for a month, and all of a sudden, he just starts regurgitating theoretical stuff that other people are following. So it's like, of course, you know, so it's one follows the other with the same mistakes. And then, and some of them, believe it or not, and I know, never traded in their life. They're just follow trading. They're red books. Right, right, trading. Right. But, so they put all this theoretical stuff. So it, it's really good that you're putting things in practical terms. Okay. Next if question. I could just interrupt quickly, Matt, course, I've always said that my expertise in trading is not by having three letters after my name. My expertise is that I have made every trading mistake that anyone could possibly make. And uh, hopefully I've learned from that. But we, we learn the most by doing and making the mistakes and understanding those and having that firsthand experience. Well, in today when there's hedge funds and big commodity firms rely on you, we trust you fully. <laughs> okay, next question. Does the game of mental improvement ever finish for traders? It doesn't, and thankfully not, because that mm -hmm. constant improvement, both in our trading and in our psychology, is a big part of what keeps trading challenging and stimulating for us, that we don't just plateau and stop making improvements. What happens in my experience is that successful traders eventually broaden out their businesses. They begin to trade new timeframes, new patterns, new markets, Maybe they start to build a team, they hire a junior person to help them, but they expand their business and that creates new mental challenges, it creates new trading challenges, but that's what keeps it exciting and interesting is that we're always learning and we're always tackling new goals. So we don't reach a plateau and I think that's a good thing. Uh, you know what, I never thought about that, that actually people in hedge funds at some point can expand their business. Have oh, juniors. very much so. So, very. How the, so tell me, this is not a question that I prepared. What is a person who is successful in a hedge fund, how does he expand his business? What does he oh, do? Okay. So, so what happens is uh, they have a good track record okay. and they will be allocated more capital by the trading firm. Uh -huh. So let's say that I have $200 million assets under management, AUM, and 
I have a great track record. And so they say, we're going to bump you up to 300 million. And eventually it could bump up uh, quite a bit more than that. And so as I grow more assets, I think about having a more diversified portfolio. So maybe in addition to trading stocks, uh, let's say, maybe I'll develop some trading in currencies. I'll develop some trading in rates. So I'll expand my business to utilize this new capital for new opportunities. And so maybe I'll hire someone who has experience in currencies or rates to help me build that business. And I expand my risk taking, but in a balanced way. I don't just take bigger positions uh, doing what I did before. Now I'm taking new and balanced kinds of risks, which gives me good risk-adjusted returns. I see. That actually makes a lot of sense because I've worked with a lot of CTAs or yes. self-directed traders who were successful and they traded their own account and, all, and they traded, I don't know, let's say 100,000 or 200,000 as a retail trader and they were successful and all of a sudden brokers flood them with millions of dollars because of their track record right. and, they, and they freeze. I mean, they can't imitate their performance. They fail. Right. So you're so right that there's a new added psychological pressure when you have more capital to manage bigger responsibilities. You have to kind of adjust to it into it slowly. So it's a yeah. great point. Yeah. Well taken. And that slowly part is very important. You want to grow your trading size. You want to grow your capital gradually, slowly grow into it, because otherwise the dollar P&L swings can be pretty scary. Right. Right. Okay, that leads me to my next question. Um, and, and I'll tell you why I'm asking this. So first I'll ask and I'll tell you why I do that. Okay, so what occupational backgrounds make the best traders? So I think that there are certain occupations out there that give you a lot, that where people have a lot of strengths that are detail oriented, but sometimes it works against them in trading. The same trades that made them successful in their occupation, sometimes in trading, it, it, you, it can be, translatable that way. So from your experience, what backgrounds have done best in trading and why? Yeah, yeah. and the tricky part of that question, Matt, is that there are different types of trading. And so uh, the background that would be best for that fast pattern recognition trading is different than the background that would be uh, useful as a longer term investor or a hedge fund manager. Uh, with the people who are good short-term traders, many times you see that they have backgrounds in fields where they have had to use those fast decision-making skills. Sometimes that's in sports. Sometimes that's in games like in chess. And sometimes that's in things like video games where they have to process information very quickly, recognize patterns and act upon them decisively. And so they already come to trading wired to think that way. And that's useful. On the other hand, the portfolio manager who's holding positions for months at a time and who is analyzing different markets for areas of opportunity, many times they come from a background where they've had to do research and where they've had to use that deep thinking. Many times it's from an academic background. And so they're not any good at that fast pattern recognition thinking, just mm -hmm. like the day traders are not so good at the deep analysis. 
So it really depends on the occupational background, the history that prepares you for particular kinds of trading. I guess when you work with individuals and um, individuals, hedge funds, professionals, you obviously ask them about their background and you, yes. point, and you point out to them, you know, whether what type of trading they should be engaged in according to their background, right? Yes, and their track okay. records will show that. You know, okay. Like we said, you look at what you do successfully in your trading and the chances are good that what you do successfully reflects the type of thinking that you're good at. That's, that is great, you know? And only a professional like you can point out, you know, to uh, what they should do. By the way, we are going to put all the links for your blogs and the other blog that you mentioned um, in the Amazon links, all will be underneath this video on YouTube. So all the resources oh, will you. be for traders. Of course, you're very thank welcome. You. Um, okay, so now let's assume somebody says, you know what, I want Brett as my coach, you know, and uh, I'm willing to do the work and I want to improve my trading and I want to improve my mental game and I want to be the best traders in the world. So that leads me to my, uh, to my next question. And again, I want to tell you what I'm asking. How do you professionally get traders to change routines after many years of doing the same thing over and over again? How do you become pragmatic over being comfortable? I'll tell you why I formed this question. Because I find in my experience, there was one time that somebody wrote some bad things about me online. They said I was rude and, ah. and you know, I didn't listen to them and you know, they don't want to talk to me and then to line the poster, which is fine. But you know, I think, and, and I always reflect on the thoughts that I have with customers and traders. But I think part of the conversation where it went a little bit wrong where was a customer wanted to ask me how to improve his trading. And I told him how to be very practical and pragmatic about it. Yeah. But I find that most, I shouldn't say all, but many people out there, although they're seeking help from professionals. And, and again, I'm not a professional in, you know, in, in that. I'm just telling them what good traders yeah, yeah. and habits. But I don't think they want to listen to it. They just want to get the answer that they, that they want. Right yes. to become good traders. So, you know, again, so in, in when people come to you with all those, I and I'm sure that some traders try to educate you. Although they come to you yeah. for advice, I'm sure that some of them want to educate you as well, <laughs> how to do things and how you should teach them. How do you approach those things? How do you break bad habits after many years? How do you make them look at things from a pragmatic standpoint? Yes, very, very interesting. And by the way, you know, the, the portfolio managers and traders I work with do teach me a whole lot. You know, they know more about their business than I do. And so part of what helps me help them is learning about their business. Because I only work with professional traders, I, I don't work with retail traders. Um, if they continue the same bad habits, year after year, eventually they lose their careers. So there's a natural process of selection at work in these trading firms. But that doesn't mean that people don't have bad habits that can continue uh, for day after day, week after week, and, and month after month. As a psychologist, you learn that 
for people to change their habit patterns, their bad habit patterns, they have to emotionally get in touch with the cost that they're paying for those bad habits, the consequences. The analogy I sometimes use is the person who's an alcoholic and who goes to Alcoholics Anonymous, AA. At some point, they hit bottom. At some point, they recognize this drinking is killing my life. It's hurt my relationships. It's hurt my career. It's caused pain for me. It's caused physical health problems for me. It's hurt other people. And I can't do it anymore. So at some point, the cost, the consequences of these bad patterns becomes emotionally present for the person. And that gives them the motivation to avoid the bad habits and to try to do things in a new way. The way I sometimes put it is you have to turn your worst habits into your greatest enemies. That's who you're fighting. And to win that battle, you have to hate your enemy. You have to do, be willing to do battle with that enemy every single day. Because if you hate a pattern, you're not going to fall into it easily. And so you need that emotional awareness, and that allows you to try to do things differently and better. Good answer. Um, that is so true. And I never thought about next time that I have a conversation with somebody who wants to change his habits, I really have to ask him, did you hit rock bottom? Did you hit a point that right. you know where you want to change or you didn't hit it yet and you want to continue on the same path, you know? Right, um, right. I, I always use the, 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 you know, the phrase from Albert Einstein, you know, the definition of insanity. The yes, same thing exactly. over and over again, expecting different results. I said, yes. hey, if it worked, and I tell them if it worked for you, it did. Uh, it does. Okay, so um, this is the last question I have. Sure. Um, you kind of answered it, but, you know, so um, I saw the show Billions. I like Billions. I think, oh, yeah. I think a lot of people out there, you know, um, like the show. Uh, whether it's true, some of it's true in real life or not, you know, I don't know, but one thing that they have on the show, they have an in-house, it's a huge hedge fund, and yeah. they have an in-house psychologist, right? Yes. And basically when somebody does not perform well, they go and they talk to them. And the psychologist talks about everything, not just their training, they go into other areas of their life, their marriage, their personal life, their friendship, everything else. Is that also part of what you do in consulting people, do, first of all, do hedge funds really have somebody in-house full-time? I guess it depends on the size, right? But you yeah, find so, a large- Yeah, so I was yeah, full-time, yes, I was full-time in a hedge fund for a number of years. I was oh, full-time wow. in a proprietary firm for a number of years. And I've also worked part-time at many different trading firms. So it really varies, um, but a full-time person is probably not the norm. Uh, usually the coach will work as a consultant on a part-time basis. But sometimes, as you point out, life events affect our concentration. Life events affect us emotionally. 
And so you can't only talk about trading. You have to talk about what's going on in their lives that's distracting them. And that could be their marriages, that could be their children, it could be their physical health, it could be their financial well-being. But those become issues that we talk about, not just the pure trading issues. So, and and are they comfortable in revealing that when they have when they have a bad period that they went through or a bad quarter? Yes. You know, I mean, do they always say? Um, do you always are they always honest with you when? what could have affected it, or you have to kind of read between the lines that it's something external besides the market? Or yeah, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you asked that question. Every firm I work with respects the confidentiality of the conversations, and I won't work with a firm if they don't. Um, and so I emphasize that at the very beginning when I work with a trader, that everything we talk about stays in this room. And um, I've done it for a number of years. They know I'm a psychologist. They, they know that I could be uh, sued for malpractice if I don't honor that. And so um, it, it's never been a problem. And um, people do open up about the things that distract them because ultimately they want to make money. They want to perform better. And so that gives them a good reason to face their problems. I'm very happy that they have people uh, like you in their life that could help them with that. Um, I wanted to, that's all the questions I have. Um, like I said, we're going to post um, all the resources underneath this video. I'm very grateful that you came here and the fact that you work with professionals and you're still able to give those great tips for retail traders, we're, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're very grateful. The brokerage business is not an easy business. People come in and out of trading all the time, you know, yes. essentially. Essentially, we've become, you know, salespeople, you know, of selling software. You right. know, my, my trading platform is better than yours. My commissions are cheaper than yours. I try at Optimus, you know, to add value to them with bringing people like yourself and making sure that at least they know where to, how to start, how to recognize their issues yes. and how yes. to progress. So keep on writing those wonderful books that uh, you're Thank writing. Thank you. I think that, you know, there is a crowd out there that will read your books a number of times because they really want to succeed, that they won't jump from method to method, but, right. they'll, but they'll take it seriously. And for that small minority of people that are going to take it seriously and are going to be great traders, you know, thank God there's people like you who uh, make, make this effort because I know the publishing book, publishing books does not make a lot of money nowadays. So you know, no, it doesn't. But it, you know, it's a great way to give back. And uh, you know, this most recent book I just put out for free, uh, it is a, a way to help people who are serious about trading. And I think for you to treat the brokerage clients as a community and to provide resources for them is just excellent and speaks very well of your organization. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that's basically it. Thank you, guys. Like I said, we're going to publish everything uh, from uh, Dr. Brett. It's going to be Great. underneath. Click on it, buy his books, read. Uh, you know, the, he puts a lot of effort. It's free. He has a lot of skin in the game in the trading community. So let's read it. Let's turn it into a real experience. And again, Dr. Great. Brett, thank you for your time. Oh, thank you, Matt.
pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Optimist Futures podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, all under the username Optimist Futures. If you have any questions, feel free to send us an email to support at OptimistFutures.com or give us a call directly at 561-367-8686 or toll free at 1-800-771-6748. Once again, thank you for listening to the Optimist Futures podcast. Please remember that this matter should be viewed as a solicitation to trade. Trading futures and options involves substantial risk of loss and is not suitable for all investors. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should therefore carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for you in light of your financial condition. Optimist Futures LLC is not affiliated with, nor does it endorse any trading system, methodologies, newsletter, or similar service. We urge you to conduct your own due diligence.